It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome to your Wednesday episode of Locked on Raptors. Sean here with you as always with a solo show breaking down a 125-113 win over the Charlotte Hornets that featured Point Siakam at his absolute best, Gary Trent Jr. knocking down triples, and a whole bunch more. We got some interesting deep bench guys getting some minutes with some absences for the team as well. We'll talk about Malachi Flynn and Delano Banton. And also Michael Grange spoke yesterday or wrote yesterday about the Raptors' intentions ahead of the deadline and i agree with him and so we'll dig into that as well in today's show we got the dude of the game whole bunch of stuff to get to on today's episode of locked on raptors thanks for being here oh like because when i shot i expected to make it so like i don't shoot trying to miss you are locked on raptors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Welcome to episode number 1104 of Locked on Raptors for Wednesday, January the 26th. Uh, 26th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. And you can find the show at Locked on Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked on Podcast Network as we have team-focused shows covering every team across the big four and college programs. And so... Go do it. It's free to subscribe on all platforms to our podcast. And you can find this podcast and most of our other Lockdown shows on YouTube as well. If they're not on YouTube, they'll be coming soon. So please go check them out. Hit that big red subscribe button. We're nearing 1,500 subs on the Lockdown Raptors page. I think we're like 12 away. So please go and help juice those numbers. Uh, and as always, a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We've got a lot to get to today. A 125-113 win over the Hornets last night. We're going to talk about Pascal Siakam, zone busting, Gary Trent Jr., trade stuff as well and we'll also hand out a couple of due to the game awards i want to give it to two people sort of an amalgam of two people in this one so we'll get to that later on as well but first just a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by prize picks check out prizepicks.com use the promo code nba or go to the app store and download the app today prize picks is daily fantasy made easy more on them a little bit later on in the show but let's begin shall we with our big takeaway from last night's game and for me my biggest takeaway here is this was, I think, the best Pascal Siakam has looked this season, fa factoring in circumstance. Obviously, he's played really well for the last month and a half. He's up over 23 a game, just whipping around assists like a maniac. He's been incredible. But last night, the circumstances were pretty adverse for Siakam. And really, it kind of reminded me in ways of the situation he was often playing in last season in Tampa, where... There was not a lot of floor balance. He was playing at times with very, very subpar teammates, guys who couldn't shoot whatsoever. And he really, really struggled with all of that extra attention. Couldn't find his own buckets. Wasn't efficient scoring. Last night, not a problem whatsoever. Even with Fred Van Vliet 
and Scotty Barnes, the other two ball handlers for this Raptors team out of the lineup. Siakam took it upon himself and just had a masterful game as the lead ball handler for this team. He was, I guess, by well, for all intents and purposes, the starting point guard for the Raptors in this one, alongside Gary Trent Jr., Precious Achua, OG Ananobi, and uh, who was he? Oh, Chris Boucher started as well. So, you know, that's not exactly like a space-heavy lineup. Obviously, Boucher's been better from three lately. Uh, Achua was one of one last night. Not, not really someone I would consider a spacer. And OG's kind of struggled from three as well lately. And my big concern about this game last night wasn't so much with Pascal. It was, you know, I have pretty high confidence that Pascal is going to be able to set guys up. And that, you know, totally bore out to be true. Every single time Siakam touched the ball, it seemed like something good was happening. He had the 12 assists, tying a career high to just three turnovers. A couple of those turnovers a little bit lazy and kind of uh, misbegotten. But really, you can't complain whatsoever with the decision-making from Pascal in this game. And my big fear was that the Hornets, who we spoke about yesterday with uh, Walker and Doug from Lockdown Hornets, are a super zone-heavy team. And my fear was that the Raptors were going to get a lot of wide-open three-point looks off of Pascal Siakam's, uh, Siak Pascal Siakam's actions. That's a hard thing to say one time fast let alone three um I, I was worried that we would see kind of a similar tale to what we saw in that blazers game where good looks are being created but they're just not knocking them down because the team is light on shooting not a problem in this one as the raptors finally got some good three-point shooting 16 of 34 in this one they didn't have to go and throw up 50 plus threes like they did in that blazers game where they were trying to make up for the first half with hopefully catching some variance in the second half it was a way more balanced effort for the Raptors in this one. And just a really, really nice thing to see. OG goes three of seven. Gary Trent goes five of 10. We'll get to Gary Trent in a second because I thought he was the key ingredient in this game outside of Pascal. Um, you've got Chris Boucher going two of three, Achua one of one, Siakam one of two. Off the bench, you get two of four from Delano Banton. Those corner threes he hit felt like backbreakers even when it was kind of in the middle of the game. Those are the types of shots that keep you going, keep you from giving up a lead and keep you from having those dry spells. That was a massive couple of threes that Banton hit. Even Malachi Flynn came in and was one of three from downtown as well, four or seven overall. We're going to talk about Flynn later on, but just a really, really nice overall effort from the Raptors in, in this one in terms of breaking the zone. They didn't even have to crash the offensive glass that much, which I thought would kind of be their ticket here because they weren't missing. They shot really well. They shot 52% overall in the game. They only missed 39 shots. It was a super efficient effort. And again, Pascal is kind of the guy who was the straw that stirred the entire drink. But I do want to say, Siakam was not alone in this game. Yes, he nearly had a triple-double with the 24-9-12. and 12. He was super efficient, 9-16, hit all of his free throws. Basically, a perfect, flawless Pascal Siakam game. And some of the possessions where he's kind of maneuvering through three or four arms to find an open shooter were bloody impressive. There was the one where he hit Gary Trent Jr., where he kind of plunged himself into the middle of the zone, had three or four guys kind of converge on him, and then all of a sudden he like fakes passing one way, finds Trent up on the left wing, hits him for the three. It was just beautiful stuff, but he was not alone. And that is where Gary Trent Jr. comes in here. All of the efforts of Pascal Siakam don't mean a ton if Gary Trent Jr. is not knocking down five of 10 from three and not offering that secondary scoring and self-creation, frankly, that the Raptors just didn't have last night with no... Barnes and no Van Vliet. Those are two guys who you can count on if you really need to. It's not like they're the best in the world at getting their own shot off whenever they want, but Barnes can bully his way in for those little post-ups where he flips shots over guys and he just kind of has his way about, you know, kind of roaming around the paint as we talked about at length last week with Samson, for example. 
And then you've got Fred Van Vliet, who's got that mid-range game that he's got cooking so far this year. The three-pointers, obviously, are such a bailout piece for the Raptors. Not having those two guys, I really thought things were going to be quite rough when Pascal Siakam was not on the floor in this one. And that was not the case because Gary Trent Jr., in large part, was phenomenal. Again, 32 points, the two boards, two assists. That doesn't really matter. It's the scoring that mattered in this one. And to me, this game swung. All late in the third quarter, the Raptors, of course, start that third quarter, take a bit of a punch from the Hornets. They withstand it, which was which was huge. Siakam was in, integral to that, as was Delano Banton. That sort of middle part of the third quarter where they fend off the Hornets was massive. But then you get to the late part of the third quarter, and with two minutes and 14 seconds to play, Siakam checks out to go get a much-needed breath. You know, he looked just exhausted, yet still was kind of doing everything on the floor. He was unbelievable. And I wrote in my notes... Uh-oh, at that 214 point, it was 96-84 Raptors. And I had visions of a Hornets run to close that quarter to pull it within a couple possessions, tie the game. I don't know. It just seemed like that kind of spot, considering how important and essential as Siakam had been to success for the team so far in the night, I just was really worried. And then Gary Trent Jr. comes out. He gets fouled on a three. He knocks down a technical free throw. He has a couple of hilariously difficult shots that he makes from the mid-range. And it just kind of got the Raptors over the finish line in that third quarter. Instead of going in with less than a 12-point lead, they go into the fourth quarter with a 19-point lead. And Gary Trent Jr. was integral in that. And OG Ananobi as well. We should give him his love as well. 24 points for him in this one. A plus 22, a team best. He looked awkward on a couple of drives here and there. But he also had a couple drives where he did the thing where he kind of displays, oh, I'm just stronger than everybody else. Uh, and that was really, really fun to see. And he was super effective in his role. He was 3 of 7 from downtown, 8 of 14 overall, opening himself up underneath the basket for passes from Siakam. Really, really good game from OG. But again, Trent in that late third quarter section. And then in the fourth, he started knocking some down as well off of Siakam passes. Really, really kind of that extra burst of offense this team needed. And honestly, like Trent is as important to this team as anybody else, at least when it comes to the offense. And that bears out the numbers too. The Raptors with Gary Trent Jr. on the floor, outside of Justin Champagne, he has the best on-court offensive rating of 113.8 when he's out there. Siakam is a, is a 113.6 as well when he's on the floor. They're very, very good. And when Gary Trent Jr. is off the floor, they fall down to a 104.4. That is nine points, more 9.4 points differential when Gary Trent Jr. sits. He's just so important to adding extra life to the offense, extra space to the offense, and a little extra late clock bailout shot making that makes all the difference and really was the difference in them winning that game last night. So amazing stuff from Siakam and Trent. A super fun game to watch from both of them. And, uh, you know, if the Raptors don't get Fred Van Vliet back tonight against the Bulls, they don't get Scotty Barnes back tonight against the Bulls, I, I think the formula they had last night against the Hornets can work especially against a Chicago team that's without Lonzo Ball and without Alex Caruso right now. They're pretty banged up and missing their two very, very important defenders. Maybe they can maneuver around that opponent tonight without Fred or uh, Scotty available. You would hope that they're available because they're very important and very good and all of that makes th make things a lot easier. And they might be favorites against the Bulls tonight if they have everybody on hand or at least everyone but Ken Birch. Uh, but either way, really, really great stuff from Siakam. Love to see it. And uh, for Gary Trent Jr., right along, none of it works without Gary Trent Jr. knocking shots down on the other side of that Pascal Siakam action. So great stuff all around. We are going to continue on in just a second and address Michael Grange's piece from Sportsnet yesterday where he addressed the upcoming deadline for the Raptors and the Raptors' mindset going in. He thinks the Raptors are planning to be buyers, and I think that is the right call. We will get to that in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our pals over at Prize Picks, which is 
Daily Fantasy Made Easy. They have the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players who are only recording a handful of minutes. So yeah, you can go and have props on Malachi Flynn if you really want to. You can do that with Prize Picks. They can offer you any prop you can think of from points, assists, rebounds, threes made, and more. And you can pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections. And you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And the best part is it's just you versus the projections. There are no shadow experts behind the scenes putting together a lineup that's meant to beat you. It's just you versus the projections the way it's supposed to be in DFS. Prize picks also allows for mixed sport entries. So if you're both a football head and a basketball enjoyer, you can combine players in your DFS prop. And you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Go, go to PrizePicks.com today, or use or go to the App Store that is, and download the app. All users that deposit and use the promo code NBA will get fifty bucks free if your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. That's all, just one point, and you are going to win free fifty dollars off of the top. Go to Prize Picks. It is daily fantasy made easy. Go check them out. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into trade stuff with your Toronto Raptors. We'll come back in the back part of the show with the dude at the game for the game from last night against the Hornets, but I feel like we've done a pretty good diagnosis of what took place in this game. It was a very good game. Really, very few members of the Raptors to be disappointed with, and that is something you love to see. Uh, but we should address the Michael Grange piece on the Raptors' trade deadline plans and what they're sort of you know, what What their plan and mindset is going to be going in here, because I think you can kind of look at it two ways. There is the sell and just sort of ride it out and accept that this is not going to be some sort of title winning season. You just take what you get, whether maybe you're the seven seed, maybe you're the 10 seed, maybe you fall out of contention entirely as the Hawks gain ground or whatever. Maybe that's the way you go if you don't view this season as like any sort of contention window. The other side of it is, hey, you could kind of go and add to this team you have some pieces you can move you have all of your future first round picks if you want to tap into that well you can totally go ahead and do that and to me that is kind of the way i would want to go look there's a middle ground way here too where maybe you make sort of some rebalancing roster trade where maybe chris boucher gets dealt although he's been far too good to be dealt right now he's just so essential he's their best bench player right now so i don't think you're in any rush to move on from him especially considering you could resign him if you wanted to which we discussed on monday with vivek he's been really good and, and i think you know is in contention now for a potential extension which is weird and not expected but you gotta take what's happened and adapt your opinion and but boy has chris boucher forced me to adapt my opinion 
either way, that that is still an option, right? You maybe deal Boucher to balance the roster out. Maybe you go and find some sort of future meager asset for Goran Dragic, and then you go from there. I think for me, the idea of buying makes a lot of sense. It's not just about this season, right? And look, this season, there is something to be gained. They could be the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. You know, the Cavs are still really hurt. Yes, they continue to beat teams, but there could be some attrition there. They take one more injury, they're going to be in some serious trouble. That potentially is a spot that's up for grabs. You've got the Hornets in front of you, who I think we just saw last night. You know, the Raptors can certainly hang with them, whether they can, you know, beat them over the course of a full season. I don't know, but they're tied in the lost column with them right now. And I think at full health, that would probably take the Raptors collection of guys over the Charlotte collection of guys, you know, even without Gordon Hayward last night, like that, that's a piece that would have helped obviously with Charlotte. The Raptors are missing Van Vliet and Barnes. So, you know, it comes out in the wash, but I, I think that's a pretty, even matchup, and I think I might give the Raptors a slight edge just because I think their defensive upside's a little bit higher. Either way, there's something to be pushed for here if you're the Raptors and you want to try to maybe climb up the standings a little bit, even if you just want to ensure that you're going to be hosting a home game in the plane, either in the seven or eight, and kind of go from there. I think that's totally fine too. Either way, there's value in trying to bolster this team. We've seen how freaking good Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and OG and Scotty Barnes can be. We've seen Chris Boucher come along as well. There's a roster here that can work when it's fully healthy. Gary Trent Jr. has been way beyond expectations too. And yes, this is not a team that's going to win a title with any move that happens this season, but there's still a lot of value in getting to the postseason, having competitive playoff games, getting Scotty Barnes reps, figuring out what works and what doesn't. This is a learning season for the Raptors, right? We've talked about this all season long. This is about figuring out what you got. There is no better platform upon which to figure out what you got than the postseason. And maybe the postseason bears some sort of ugly truth, but at least you got that ugly truth and had that information going into the offseason and you can adjust accordingly from that. I think pushing for the postseason, trying to get playoff games is important matters for a team where the Raptors are. They're too good to tank, first of all. The Eastern Conference is loaded with teams below them, and you know, some of them are really, really bad. The Pacers, Pistons, Magic Stink, and the Western Conference is like half garbage teams. And so tanking to the bottom is going to be really difficult. And I just don't really want to tr have to put the faith back in the lottery gods ever again. The Raptors got the lottery luck in moving up from 7-4 to four this summer and getting Scotty Barnes that teams wait for for like a decade. The Kings, the Magic, all of these teams have been waiting to have some kind of lottery luck fall from the sky, and it doesn't happen. The Raptors, you got it once. It's like going to the casino, going to the slot machine, hitting the jackpot the first time. You don't want to go back to that. You just want to keep the jackpot winnings and go somewhere else, get the hell out of that casino. I'm fine with never dealing with the draft lottery again, and this team is too good to potentially be a lottery team in my eyes. And so... Are you going to go ahead with this team that is, I think, good enough to hang with most opponents right now at full health, but is clearly overtaxed, is clearly overburdened? Fred Van Vliet's hurt. He's got the right knee soreness. He's playing insane minutes. His shooting has gone down. That doesn't seem to be a coincidence to me that the knee soreness and the shooting going down have coincided with him playing 7,000 minutes every single night. And so, to me, bolstering this current roster and helping to you know, better develop guys like Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam as a playmaker with better infrastructure around them to me is a worthwhile thing to potentially give up on a first future, future first round pick for Michael Grange suggested in his piece that the Raptors are exploring what they could get with that Dragic contract of 19 million bucks, along with a first round pick attached. 
We'll see what can happen there. We've talked a little bit about Eric Gordon. I think, yes, he's 35 years old, but also, my God, the three-point shooting from Eric Gordon on this team. We saw the impact that Gary Trent Jr. could have. We've seen how rough it's been against zones for this team for the most part, except for last night. Having Eric Gordon as an extra zone buster out there, an extra sort of second side creator, a guy who can knock down the threes that are being created by Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and Scotty Barnes with such regularity, that would be such a massive thing. And he's a guy who would be on your team in the next season as well. And that's the important thing. They're not in a position right now to go and make a deal for some kind of rental. That That's just not the spot they're in unless it's a very low risk, low cost type of thing. They should be in the business of getting someone who can help this team into next season as well, while also bolstering this year's postseason run. And I think that Drogic plus first round pick thing is probably the best avenue to do it. I don't know what team is going to want to do that. It might take a third team where you shuttle Drogic to that third team that maybe is a contender or whatever it might be that he might want to play for the Mavs uh, <laughs> or something like that. That might be it. But I think it's worth exploring what you can get for that. And I don't think you're trading Chris Boucher at this point, unless it's like a no-brainer, oh God, yes, that's such a clear upgrade for the roster as a whole. We trust Presses Achua to slide in those minutes. Kem Birch is coming back. We're hoping he can kind of be there and fill in that void in the front court. Unless you're getting a very clear no-brainer upgrade, I think Boucher's got to stay in-house because he's been too valuable. He's just been too, too damn important. So yeah, go ahead, attach a first-rounder to Goran Dragic. To me, picks now, after the Scotty Barnes experience, yes, it's nice to have picks, to build your roster depth. And that's a thing that the Raptors are struggling with. There's no doubt. The other side of this coin is the Raptors need more first round picks so they can replenish their pipeline and continue to have a cost-effective back end of the bench to go along with their pretty expensive core that will only get more expensive as Fred Van Vliet's up for extensions. And eventually Scotty Barnes is in line for more money and all of that. Having those cheap cost-effective guys at the back end of the roster is super valuable. I think it's more valuable to have real, tangible, experienced NBA players to put into this roster to allow guys like Barnes and Siakam and OG and Trent to continue to flourish as opposed to being overextended in the roles they're currently in. So I'm with the Raptors if that Dragic plus first round pick is a package they're kind of floating around. Look, it's not going to get you a ton. You know, it does kind of have sort of hollow sort of similarities to the Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, and 2027 first-round pick package the Lakers are tossing around. But honestly, if the Raptors are giving up a closer first-round pick, maybe that's even a more attractive offer to be thrown around, especially with Dragic being an expiring contract. Um, you know, it, it's a very interesting time. But yeah, I'm fully on board with Grange's suggestion that the Raptors are going to want to buy, and I think that's the right call as long as it's something that is going to help for this season and beyond. And we'll get into some more trade speculation. Next week, I'm going to have Corbin Ford on the podcast, great Spurs podcaster. Uh, he's going to be on, and we're going to discuss some of the Spurs target, Jakob Pertle, for example. Lonnie Walker is someone I've seen a lot of people suggest as like a second draft guy. We'll talk to Corbin next week about that. We'll have a bunch of trade special type podcasts next week as we dig into specifics. But either way, that's where we are on that for now. Go buy, go get some stuff to help this Raptors team because we saw last night, Pascal Siakam is good enough for some help to be added to this team. Gary Trent Jr. is ahead of schedule enough and looking good enough that I think you deserve, like these guys deserve some help. They've been carrying this team hauling ass all season long. I think they deserve a little bit of extra reprieve and help and support in the form of some kind of deadline addition. And as Grange pointed out, it's very likely the Raptors do do something ahead of the deadline because of that Dragic contract, because they don't, it's not really an asset after this season, you know, letting him walk in the summer, you're not getting that cap space because you already are going to be pretty close to the cap as it is. 
And so that's not like there's an advantage to that. You don't want his bird rights. The time to move Dragic is before the deadline. And obviously it's made more difficult by the fact that he hasn't been playing, but you can sweeten it with a first round pick and maybe find a third team to take on Dragic. I think that is a thing you should go ahead and look at because picks are fake. Uh, we'll continue on here in just a second with the dudes of the game. That's right. Dudes of the game for last night's game against the Charlotte Hornets. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And if you're like me, it is uh, trying to eat a little healthier and not only eating bonbons all the time. And the best way to help you wean yourself off the bonbons is with Built Bar because you get that indulgent taste that feels like you're cheating, but you're really not. And you're getting good stuff for you as well. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a regular candy bar, which has around 24 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, and none of the protein or very little of the protein. Highly recommend you go and check out Built Bar if you're looking for a snack to feel indulgent, but actually not be. And there's tons of flavors for you to choose from as well. So there's no excuse for, oh, I don't know if I like any of the flavors. There's literally a flavor for everybody. So go check them out, get a mixed box, try them all out. And Built is always coming out with new, inventive, limited-time flavors as well. If you can get that caramel almond I've been talking about, go get it because it's incredible. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at Built.com. Go and check them out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, let's round out today's show with your dudes of the game for last night's game against the Charlotte Hornet. Uh, I'm going to, sorry, I have to make this graphic on my, on the fly. So please uh, bear with me uh, as I do this. It's a very bad podcasting, but that's okay. I have done it. The Raptors dudes of the game for last night against the Charlotte Hornets are Delano Banton and Malachi Flynn and a little amalgam due to the game because I think what they brought was sort of an amalgam of what you needed for the Raptors in this game from, you know, if they had Fred Van Vliet or if they had Scotty Barnes or had both the stuff that Flynn and Banton did while on a lower scale and less sort of an impressive level than you might see from Fred or Scotty Barnes. These guys were essential for the Raptors winning this one. I mentioned off the top Banton hitting those corner threes, just absolutely massive shots. You don't expect him to hit. But coming off of a really nice game with the 905 where he scored 30 plus points, I think he had 23 points in the fourth quarter on Monday night down with the 905. That seemed to really kind of spark him. His offense looked more sprightly. We've seen him get bottled up with his handle quite a bit so far this year. And you're seeing guys really guard him closely because he's kind of loose with the handle. Because he's so big and long and limmy, he's pretty easy to poke the ball free from. But last night he evaded that really well, protected the ball nicely, got downhill a few times you know, ran off a dribble handoffs and got a dunk. Like he, he looks like he really has kind of, you know, gotten back onto some sort of level of stability, right? He looked really, really rough there for a while. I wasn't surprised that he fell out of the rotation. The offense was just not there. We saw it last night, that sort of half court burst, the downhill that he had, he turned the corner a couple times in a really impressive way. 
Yeah, there were a couple times where it didn't quite work. He was trying to turn the corner against Plumlee at one point and slipped up and lost the ball. But for the most part, a really effective game from Delano Banton. And then we also saw Malachi Flynn. Shout out to him, man. I'm glad he got back in. I spoke yesterday on the podcast or a couple days ago on the podcast. Might have been yesterday about how I just don't think he's really part of the plans going forward here. And it's certainly going to take more than one game where he scores 11 points on four of seven shooting to convince me that the Raptors view him differently or whatever. But really happy for him because he had a really nice game and he actually came in and did exactly what you need Malachi Flynn to do. And which is a thing that, you know, Fred Van Vliet provides so impressively, which is that catch and shoot, shooting the relocation. You know, he was only one of three in this game, but I thought Flynn was super eager to put shots up and that's going to be his thing, right? We've talked about this. Yes, the pick and roll operation is something he, ex he really excels at. That's not really something available to him on this team. There's not a great role partner for him and they just don't run a ton of pick and roll for a multitude of reasons. And for me, like Flynn is going to make his bones as a guy who can come in and offer offense to a second unit that sorely lacks it. We love how chaotic and insane the second unit is. We love that they crash the offensive boards and miss half their bunnies. We love that they fly around like maniacs on defense. And boy, the rim protection last night from Chris Boucher, Precious Achua, Pascal Siakam was absolutely incredible, totally flawless, and a thing that you didn't expect. Like the Raptors won this game with rim protection and busting zones, which is a hilarious thing. Either way, back to Flynn, his shot making, he made the catch and shoot three. He had a couple of pull-up mid-rangers, kind of late clock type of thing. That was really great to see. And it's just, you know, again, it's going to take more than one game for me to be convinced that he's out of Nick Nurse's doghouse. When Fred Van Vliet comes back, there's probably not a ton of minutes for him because, again, you know, there's this whole consternation about, oh, who should the backup point guard be? It's pretty clearly Pascal Siakam should be the backup point guard. He's very freaking good at it. And Malachi Flynn not getting the ball in his hands ahead of Pascal Siakam, I don't think isn't some sort of bad thing, but if he can become an off-ball threat, knock down some threes, finish stuff late clock, kind of in the vein of Gary Trent Jr., honestly, I think that is a role where he can really thrive because shot-making and kind of getting his looks off has always been a thing that he's been successful with. We'll see if it continues forward here. You had a good effort on the defensive end, too. Just a really nice game from Banton and Flynn, and they really, really offered the Raptors everything they so badly needed in this one from the second unit. And, and like, they don't win this game without the contributions from the bench, guys. They really don't. It's not even close. And so really great stuff from them. And uh, hopefully we continue to see it going forward if they get to play. You know, as far as where they should slot into the rotation going forward, you know, Utah continue looks really rough, and so maybe – the you know eight minute sections that he's been getting maybe they go to one of Banton or Flynn now and it's tough because Utah I think is just such a smart player his three point shooting is nice he hit the one last night really in rhythm that looked great but he just is not there right now in terms of that second side you know attacking a closeout there's just no burst whatsoever he kind of looks like I don't know he, he looks like he's kind of moving at two and a half speed or something like that, but he just is like the, the, there's just nothing going on. Like he, he's moving so quickly in his mind, but his body's not catching up and he just can't get by anybody right now. You know, he does all the things on defense that you want to see, but with Utah playing like this and with, you know, there, there not being a ton of guard presence off the bench right now. I wonder if either Bandner or Flynn slots in as sort of that eight or ninth guy that Nick Nurse trusts going forward here. Again, it's just one game. Going to need a lot more runway from both of these guys to think, oh, yes, the, the bench problems for this team are fixed. But boy, if they play like they did last night. The Raptors bench problems are fixed. And so hopefully this is kind of a nice stepping stone, a building block in the right direction for those guys. But they are your co-dudes of the game for the game against the Charlotte Hornets last night. And it was really, really great to see. And I, I will be very happily 
just like shoving crow into my mouth if Malachi Flynn can kind of turn it around here and become a rotation piece for this team. We'll see, but that's something I'm rooting to be wrong about. And uh, boy, there's lots of things I root to be wrong about, but this one might be right near the top. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always. And we'll be back again tomorrow. There's another game. The Raptors take on the Bulls tonight. We'll break down that game on tomorrow's podcast. And then on Friday, we'll be joined, hopefully, by the guys from Locked on Heat as we preview Raptors Heat on Friday night. The second of three bloodbaths between those teams in a matter of just a couple weeks. So that is coming up. Hope you enjoy it. Get ready for it, all of that. And then, then next week, as I promised, lots of trade stuff as the deadline draws very, very near. And with that, we will wrap things up. You can go and subscribe, listen, follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts on all the podcast apps for absolutely free. You can also find us on YouTube and subscribe over there as well. It's so appreciated when you do that. Also free to do that. And you can go make your second listen of the day, Locked On Bets, as you got the championship weekend in the NFL coming up. And your boy Q and Lee Sterling are helping you with the prop bets, with the game bets, the totals, all of that stuff. They will have the inside track for you to help you win you some money this weekend. And with that, we will wrap up today's episode. Talk to you again tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.